Hello and welcome to Persistent and Nasty Podcast. This is our Edinburgh Festival Fringe 2019 series. Throughout this series, we will be talking to women of the fringe, from producers to directors, writers and performers. We hope you enjoy all of the podcasts and get along to see as much of it as you can. This podcast was recorded at Assembly Club Bar with thanks to Sharon Burgess, Danny Ray, Connell, Chris and all of the staff at the club bar. As we are recording out and about, you may hear some background noise. Hopefully it won't affect too much, but it might just give you the vibe and atmosphere of the festival. So sit back, relax and enjoy some persistent and nasty women. We're sat outside because it's so busy today. Everyone's obviously found our sweet little club bar haven, and so we're uh, hoping the rain doesn't hit us <laughs> with the good stuff. <laughs> Should be all right for. So I'm with Paradigm Lab and their show Pink House. Would you all like to introduce your lovely selves? Hello, uh, my name is Vlad Nebo, and I'm the founder of Paradigm Lab and the director of Pink House. I'm Madison Pollock. I'm the writer of Pink House. I'm Ron Miller, and I am one of the actors. And I'm Ailey Northridge, and I'm producing Pink House with our lovely Angus. And so I feel like we should start with just kind of telling everyone a bit about Pink House, like where it came from, where it was inspired, and how it got to the Edinburgh blooming fringe. <laughs> so I wrote Pink House when I was doing my dissertation at the University of Edinburgh last year. It was my dissertation. <laughs> um, Pink House is loosely based on my family's history, um, leaving Germany right before the Holocaust. So I borrowed and bent some details of that story and created something new about a different family history and storytelling. That's so exciting. It's nice that it's got that, that truth element and you've been able to kind of create your own fiction from it and make something that's very interesting I thought the story was so compelling it was such it was such an unusual story and it was so lovely to see um, I mean I, I don't know um, if it's um, just just the theatre that I've been seeing but you, you don't tend to see um, as much like I mean that it was it had such a like great like Jewish grounding and there was so much about the faith and the religion, and um, and it was really it was really exciting to see something that wasn't just like the kind of like normal Christian or like just re- it was like nice just not being so normative actually just <laughs> yeah. something that was really fresh, um, and so that's obviously good that it's come from like a place that you actually understand that. Did you grow up uh, in a kind of Jewish household then, or is it? I grew up in. The least Jewish household you can imagine. (laughs) I'm half Jewish, and my dad is Jewish, which means I'm technically not Jewish, but I'm a spot mitzvah anyway. He's like, I want this to happen. I started going to temple a year before my bat mitzvah. I couldn't be less Jewish, but I am, I like to say culturally Jewish. But I think it's important to carry that on, even though, like, like, yeah, the lineage is the same. <laughs> but but it's great that you've kind of been able to like draw from it and yeah, what an interesting story. So where did where did you kind of pull the characters from 
where did that all start? I, my first character was, the first character that I wrote was Neighbor Leah, or who I imagined, because, and she's based off my great-grandmother Rose, who is notorious for getting kicked out of America in the first place, <laughs> for having all these affairs with the wrong people, and I just, I love the idea of this messy woman in the middle of Germany. Of course, my play takes place in France, but a messy, middle-aged Jewish woman is where I started. <laughs> Amazing. Mm -hmm. I love it. And so, how did your script that you wrote for your dissertation, where is it you're from? I'm from New York. So you're from New York. How did your script get over here? And how did it find its way into your lovely hands? So as part of my dissertation at the University of Edinburgh, our dissertations were given a staged, a partial staged reading at the Traverse preview. Um, and Vlada came to see all of the dissertations. And about a month after I got back to New York, uh, she messaged me on Facebook and asked if she could work on it. I, yes, so I went to the staged readings because it was very, I studied with these people for a year and it was very interesting for me to see what they come up with. And it was largely for support. It's not like I was looking for a script or picking the best script or anything. They were all great. But Maddie's script just blew my mind because I'd never seen anything like that before. I'd never seen a relationship like that staged ever. Just how crazy is it? considering this relationship between an adopted daughter and her adoptive grandmother and they'd never met before and there's so much pain there and loneliness and complexity I just thought it was a very exciting unique concept and I actually maybe you don't remember that but I kind of groomed Maddie beforehand <laughs> <laughs> I uh, run into her in front of the library and I was like so has anybody approached you yet about the script and she was like no no nobody yet I was like mm hmm very good <laughs> do you know what we've been calling that for the, the some of the other podcasts you've been woo-manifesting <laughs> <laughs> I love it it's like that's very it good it is literally it's like when you see a woman and you're like, I want you in my life. I yeah. want you part yeah. of my coven. And it's like you just like all your energy goes to like seducing them into your like friendship <laughs> circle and like bringing them in. Oh God, I, love I love it. it. Strong case of woman manifesting mm. there. Please continue. <laughs> So yes, and it all kind of started from there because I got Maddie's permission to work on it. We started having initial Skype chats, but really at that point there was nothing. I had no production team and it was building it up. I didn't know if it was going to happen or not. I'd never taken anything to Fringe before. And at some point I just, out of despair, put a call out on Facebook for a producer. And Ailey got in touch with me. We'd worked with Ailey before. She's actually a wonderful actress as well as a producer. I don't and, do that for a second. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we'd worked together before with her as an actress. And she was then an assistant producer on another project that I'd worked on before. And I know how just on things she is. So I was very excited to have her. And then from there on, it just became a production team of all the best people I'd worked with and all of them actually happened to be women apart from one person <laughs> yeah. apart from uh, Angus we love him he's great but yes um, all women and a few of them have Jewish heritage which came in very handy of course in staging the play because 
talking about rituals and the Hebrew and the Yiddish they were largely responsible for working on that as well and it was a lot of work we worked on it over three months it was a very international team because our <laughs> producer was based in Amsterdam Maddie is obviously in New York our production manager was in the US for a lot of it our stage designer is actually based in France and came over for a bit but it was all a lot of conversations over the internet amazing that's so exciting that it's come together from across mm-hmm. across world and it's formed here and, it's, and is it um like all the actors are you all based here yeah actually <laughs> so um, that's good yeah uh, well <laughs> that makes it easier. everyone's studying in edinburgh apart from me ah. so they are all still in the city two of the actors are studying something completely different as well law and Um, languages I think Perfect. yeah and then Fatima and Anya are both studying acting and I'm the only one that's out in the world you're, you're hitting the streets big bad world, yeah right? exactly because exactly. you've been out for a year now is it yeah, coming yeah. up a year yeah it's been over a year which feels like so much longer it's crazy but you have been travelling the world well kind of yeah I, I was auditioning for this in Italy just doing all self tapes um, and I was really scared because Vlada had said that you were you were inviting everyone back because you want to see them in person you want to see everyone mixed together but luckily i got the opportunity of doing a self tape again so that's so good yeah i was so glad because if you because a lot of people um i had been auditioning for a lot of things and so many people were like no we we do need to see you in person we need to see so i was so glad that Vlada was so understanding and still considered me so that's so good yeah yeah definitely And so, Ailey, you saw the call out for the, the desperate call for the producer <laughs> and you went, well, I'm going to put my cape on and see <laughs> Yeah, no, I just saw on, uh, I think it was Facebook, and obviously I'd worked with Vada before. Um, I was looking to try, yeah, the producer cape on a little bit. Um, and when I saw Vada was looking for someone, I was very intrigued. Um, so she sent me the script, and it sounds like a cliche, but like I read the script and immediately was like, well, yeah, I definitely, definitely am in. Um, Um, yeah, from there, as Vlada said, I was living in Amsterdam at the time, but we just did everything online, really. It's amazing how much you can do satellite in terms of yeah. production Yeah, because it's behind the scenes running around, isn't it? It's just yeah. making sure everything happens. And yeah, communicating to... with people. I think as well for, I don't know how, for how many people this was the case, but a lot of people, it was their like, first fringe, or it was our first fringe production um, as a production company. Um, and that was really interesting, I think, for me, Uh, definitely especially um, just like seeing what all the ropes were and like how to pull them and who to talk to and who to speak to and what um, help was out there so that was a real learning curve but it's been really good I've had a really good time and so is Paradigm Lab your baby or it's Vlada's baby Vlada's baby mm-hmm. Vlada's sweet baby, baby. <laughs> so where did Paradigm Lab start then what's the story with I started Paradigm Lab after my undergrad. I did English literature and I knew I kind of wanted to go into theatre. I wanted to... I think student theatre is amazing and obviously we have a lot of it in Edinburgh and it gives you an amazing platform and an amazing amount of resources. But if you want to go into this industry, you have to start making your own work because suddenly you don't have to... you don't have the safety net and you have to figure things out from scratch. So yes, I wanted to bring it, bring it onto another level and decided to start a theatre company to do that. I know a lot of people start a theatre company with sort of a message or a way in which they want to work, but there are a lot of things that excite me, so I kind of wanted, hence Paradigm Lab, I wanted to try different things and different styles and different things that excite me. 
I actually have a question for you, Father. Um, the other day we had the really cool opportunity to go to uh, the synagogue in Edinburgh and they had this open day um, to kind of showcase some Jewish plays and we went along and talked a bit about the show and um, the rabbi asked us, like, oh, so what's behind the name Paradigm Lab? And I was like, eh. Well, me and Lauren were there and we were both like, <laughs> in the front of everyone. Like, yeah, um, but you... Yeah, I you, kind you, of said you know, something. Give a good what answer. What did I say? I think I said it was about pushing. <laughs> what would you say? Stretching yeah. the boundaries of theatre. I I heard your answer retold to me. I think it's a very good answer. <laughs> but really, it started as a joke because my <laughs> my undergrad dis- dissertation supervisor kept saying that undergrad students don't know what paradigm means, <laughs> and then it just I stuck. Know. Yeah, I don't know either. I know exactly. It means <laughs> it means a pattern. That's why I got asked. I was like, no good question. Sorry, we interrupted you to confirm. <laughs> your suspicion <laughs> <laughs> but yes uh, really also it was about experimenting and pushing boundaries and trying out different things amazing that's so good and I think that's so important for like the fact that so are you all like you're all really you're still studying Rowan you're excluded yeah. so have you gra- you've graduated graduate so, but it is you're still so fresh out and it's so important to kind of take that and run with it because it's really frustrating like not getting opportunities straight away and it, mm. it, I think the best way is to make your own work and you look at all the theatre companies that do really well and they all started yeah. somewhere and it was from students graduating and thinking fuck this there's not enough work for us so we're just going to do our own yeah. and I think it's really important to have that like fire and drive and it's so exciting to see new work and obviously other people are excited to see your new work because you've been you were shortlisted for the Theatre of Scotland Awards yes fantastic yeah, yeah. and that is so brilliant you must be so proud that you recognised for that. That was such a lovely email to get through, actually. I think someone must have come from the Arts Board on the first day, because on the second day we got an email being like, congratulations, you've been shortlisted for the Scottish Theatre Awards on the Fringe. Um, yeah, as you can imagine, the group chat blew up. Um, <laughs> it it so all nice. went wild. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. It's so exciting. And um, so, had you done a lot of work to try and get reviewers in? How did you feel like you were able to get word out? How do you think they got wind of you? Yeah, um, I'm still a bit baffled. I feel like that's how it's really amazing, but I do <laughs> no, mean in a I way think, of like you're such a new theatre yeah. company. There's so many people that go under radar at uh, Fringe. Completely. I mean, obviously, it's a, it's as I said, the first production from Paradigm Lab at Fringe. Fringe is such a unique time because there's thousands, thousands of theatre productions or productions and um, all trying to get media attention. Like, we sent out kind of like hundreds of emails to the press and like, I, I was helping on a show last year and we didn't get a single response from the press. So it is really like hit and miss. Like, lots of great shows go under the radar. But um, I guess we must have just got lucky. We did quite a lot of like publicity strategies, like spamming social media. Yeah. Um, and I guess, yeah, it's a question of luck and also just like really using the resources that um, you can find at Fringe to, yeah. to get the word out. That's amazing. That's so good. And I'm going to sideline sideline that because that is exciting. But I'd actually go back to the your like the development of the play itself because your lighting and your sound and your uh, set design. I mean, the set design was amazing. I mean, I don't want to like spoil it, but I also <laughs> like it was so lovely. Like being so minimalistic, but so. Um, it was very like tactile and emotive and really like interesting to look at and I'm uh, yeah I'm excited I know we've not got our lovely French she is French isn't she's she French. she's yeah. French yeah. <laughs> we've not got our lovely French set designer with us but I, I wondered if like there was anything like as the director that you'd kind of like given her as 
a thought process behind that? Yes, so when you're working with a set designer, you're kind of married to the set designer as a director, <laughs> yeah. and I had I was married to a very good person. Uh, so her name is Loch Catalan, and she does set design in Paris normally, but she was she studied here for a semester, which is how I knew her. And again, I couldn't find anybody, so I approached her and I thought, maybe I can talk her into doing this, and maybe she would be excited about the script. And she loved it. And we had a lot of Skype conversations where I gave her a list of this impossible requirements of, there's like 200 locations in the script, everything needs to be covered in dust, it needs to be movable, it needs to be cheap, and so on and so forth. And we talked a lot about the themes in the play and the themes that we want to draw out. So for instance, something that I would not noticed before, but it was very interesting for her, she said, I'm very interested between the thin line of an object being sacred and an object being junk, and how it's the different treatment of objects that draws that line. And all of that she put into the set and it was thought through a lot so we changed it and we tweaked it and then we got the chance to see it at formation and change it a little bit more and it was actually all of it was built in my stairway sort of in the early hours of morning because there was no time it was a mad week but I think it was really worth it because I love that set I love how it highlights the things that we want to see in the play and hopefully because I really wanted to honor the elements that Maddie put into it, such as dust is very important in Jewish culture and I think Maddie can talk about it better than me, but obviously in a French production you can't have that, but we have the ribbons and they have sort of the same quality to them. Yeah, I remember reading the script and it was like, one character comes up out of dust and I was like mm, interesting, can't wait to see how <laughs> that's going to work. Yeah. So, yeah. How was it for you when you saw your script taking life and what had you seen any of the development? Had you been involved in the kind of the process through, or was it you handed it over and then it was you came to the fringe and that was it? I was really interested in handing it over and seeing what happened. <laughs> so exciting. Which is very, very exciting. And it exceeded my expectations, honestly, in every way. It was I love to write impossible stage directions and <laughs> I think that's when the most exciting theatrical things happen. Most theatrical things happen. Um, and so when I write a stage direction like that, it's kind of a... I like to think of it as a gift to a director yeah. to say, here, fix it, do <laughs> yeah. whatever. Good luck. <laughs> and I think that it was very successful. I adored the set. I had only seen pictures on Instagram, and I thought it was a beautiful, symbolic and also aesthetically pleasing um, fixer to a lot of the issues, of, or not the issues, but the the gifts <laughs> of the play. Is it worth maybe just describing what the set looks yeah, like? Yeah, I feel like you can you can talk about the set as long as you're feeling like you're okay with like spoiling how it looks. Yeah. I think it, I think it will make a difference to explain. Yeah, <laughs> to oh, explain. So I was just going to say, like, there's a lot of... Um, it's maybe worth just mentioning the set is this sort of fantastic set of wire boxes. I think they're called gabions. Gabions? Mm. Gabions. Um, so <laughs> no one knows how to pronounce that word. But it's this set of um, wire kind of boxes and inside is all this kind of quote-unquote like junk. But throughout the play it's, it's used differently and, and picked up differently. Um, and there's just so much... I can't even 
begin to describe how effective it is. There's the sounds of it make a difference, yeah. the way it's thrown around, the way it's picked up, the ribbons, there's loads of ribbons. Um, I'm yeah, not describing it very ribbons, well. Yeah. No, I think that's exactly what it is. It's got this you really lovely it. raw and rough quality, but with all the ribbons like all over the floor, like scattered, it's really like so soft effective. and it's like very feminine because they're mm -hmm. ribbons, but also it's got this really like hard, like this kind of caged element of it feeling really confined and really restrictive and like quite like jagged and, and then mm. yeah all the junk and bits of like um like cups and things attached that jangle and create a really lovely it is it's an atmosphere it's i think really you really nice. have to see it to, to see what we want oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, so you yeah. want to do a quick middle middleman plug <laughs> where they come and see it. the set yeah. yeah if you guys are at all interested in seeing the show which you should be which you definitely should be <laughs> um we're on every day of the fringe until the 26th at 3 30 p.m at pqa venues at riddles court which is on the royal mile so come check us out if you want yeah it's pink house and that's it so yeah i really I think that it's really exciting to see such new work coming into the Edinburgh Fringe and I think the Edinburgh Fringe is such a lovely like scattering of scattering obviously it's like a packing <laughs> of all these different shows that are that have come from everywhere and it's been so exciting to see like your work I think you've all done amazing like contribution I'm so excited <laughs> so thank you so much for sharing your work um what we've been asking all our guests and uh, this is an exciting, exciting chance for you to kind of give us an insight. We're called persistent and nasty. Um, we know why that we're we've been called persistent and nasty. It's to do with thus uh, she persisted, and it's to do with Trump calling Hillary a nasty woman and reclaiming that word. And um, so, if you'd all like to kind of have a think on the this the way that makes you feel, if you can share how you respond to the words persistent and nasty what that triggers in you or what that makes you kind of feel if there's anything that any thoughts that you'd like to share about persistent and nasty i think it's quite a jarring name like you definitely don't scroll past that and that's something because i had seen it on social media a lot before knowing obviously our connection and stuff and um yeah, every time I'd read it, I'd be like, oh, it's like quite, I, I want to say scary, but I don't really mean scary. Kind of thrilling. I mean, yeah, <laughs> thrilling, exactly. It's I like, won't be persistent in nasty. It's very dominant, like, yeah. and um, brave almost, and I love that. It's like you weren't calling yourself something like delicate and nice, and like, it's like in your face in the best way, I think. Yeah. Nasty to me sounds like dirty or like filthy or like something gross and something wrong. And I think the way that it was used in reference to Hillary Clinton was a way to make her more masculine. And that's like Trump's greatest, he, the thing that he fears in women and the way that he tears women down is to strip them of their femininity and make them less female and adorn them with these so-called masculine traits. Um, like they're rough, like they're ugly, like they're um, aggressive or whatever. And I, what I find exciting about, well, the women that I admire are so often, like the women in Broad City, honestly, <laughs> like <laughs> dirty and, um, and unapologetic about it. And I actually think it's brilliant to take that word and that he used to like make her less of a woman and say actually this 
makes her more of a woman. And that, that's the things that you believe make a woman a good woman are actually just available to anyone. So if you can fuck yourself. hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. Amazing. I love that episode. That's so good. <laughs> And what, what do you feel like? What does it kind of bring out in you? For me, I think, and now especially having done French, I think it's the only way to be if you want to make it in this industry. Mm -hmm. And I don't take nasty as mean, because don't be mean. And don't feel like you have to be mean <laughs> yeah. to succeed. But, so for example, for me, I'm naturally quite a timid person. I'm really worried about making people feel uncomfortable or being too in their face. I worry that, oh, if I email this person, what if it's too much? Yeah. But if you want to make it in this industry, you have to really believe in what you're doing and you just have to go for it and you have to talk to people and you have to have this quality of very strong faith in yourself. Mm -hmm. And people will support you and uplift you and hopefully now women know that we can support and uplift each other mm -hmm. and not compete with each other. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I, I think this is such a beautiful example of this because we are a production team of nearly all women and a cast of all women. And everybody are so different, different personalities. We all are coming from different places, but it's just been such a powerful experience mm -hmm. working together. Oh, that's so good to yeah. hear. Because I feel like there's a lot of people that... Um, fear women working like full companies of women they think that oh god that's going to be really bitchy or it's going to be really like nippy and there's all these kind of like really demeaning words that you think oh god you wouldn't want to work in a company of all women because that's just going to be like a disaster waiting to happen and it's absolute utter total motherfucking <laughs> bullshit yeah. I've never had that experience exactly right. <laughs> yeah. and every, exactly, every woman that we've spoken to for women of French we have some of them we've asked, some of them we've not even needed to ask, because it's so clear that women support one another and we want mm -hmm. to help each other. Completely. And we, like, it's so important that we lift each other up and support, especially now, especially right now with everything that's happening and the kind of controversy, controversy and all of the American and British politics that it's not even worth like giving <laughs> any more air-fucking time <laughs> to... So yeah, I just think it's so important that we stick together and rise up. Yeah. Hey, like, come on. <laughs> I was just gonna. I was just gonna Remove say. Remove the rage from my soul and fill me with, <laughs> fill me with goodness again. Um, it has been so empowering to work with so many great women. Um, yeah, it's been really self-affirming. Um, I think it's taught. I think often if you're if you're in a team of people, you start to relocate in yourself. Like, how am I gonna present myself? And like Vlad, I'm also quite timid when it comes to working spaces but having the space to just um do our thing has been really rewarding i i just think persistent and nasty women get things done like that's yeah. how, what makes me think um yeah yeah this has definitely been a, a very unique experience for me working on this production i've never actually had an experience like this and um, my rehearsals have just been so different to any other i've had and they've been very fun and very like this kind of going off topic but we've done so much more um acting work outside of anything to do with pink house we've just been doing like team building sort of things and like improvs and i've actually not a lot of directors don't really do that in my experience and it made the cast get very close very quickly yeah. which was so so important and um, because that's the only way you're gonna 
make have a successful production if yeah. you all like know each other and you can speak to each other. So. And I feel like that was really clear in the production as well. That you can tell that you're a really tight group of women. Yeah. That are, you're you listen to each other as you perform, and you can see the kind of care as you're like on stage. And I think that's really that like having that team building is important. And yeah. So I'm glad that you've had that. But yeah. I think it's also obvious. <laughs> <laughs> that's good, that's good. So what else have you seen at Fringe before we kind of round it up and Ooh. run away from the impending brain? <laughs> brain. What have you seen at Fringe that you are excited by? Um, I'm a Phoenix bitch. If you haven't seen it, go and see it. Fuck I've been me. telling all my friends. Yeah, it was haunting. I wasn't ready for it. That set, though. I was blown away. Yeah. It was amazing. It is. I agree 100%, but was also absolutely traumatised yeah. by it. I feel it's a like lot. Go and see it with a friend. See it with or a when friend you're not and in a fragile trigger warning mood. that, yeah, trigger warning, it's hard hitting. It will knock your socks off. I was. Oh I caught Elaine before she went and saw it. I was like, by the way, just so you know, like that is going to hit you hard. And she was like, okay, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. And she came out and I was like... I'm so glad I warned you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So disclaimer, it's sold out. I oh, it's sold out. Oh, well. Can't say I'm a Phoenix bitch. Oh, but yeah, I just, know that it is it acceptable. It was good. Close <laughs> your damn mind. Oh. What else is good? Uh, um, Bear Pit at our venue, that, well, our venue, PQA, that we're performing at was really, really good. I really want to see it again. I don't... I just absolutely loved it. It's mm. so unique. Um, it's physical theatre with songs, with monologues. It's a device piece. Um, and it's really hard to explain. And you see the show, the, act, the audience choose the order of what, how you see the show, so I assume it's different every time. So it doesn't really make sense till the end. And, yeah, I thought it was very, very good. Nice. Would recommend. Bear Pit, love it. Bear Pit, yeah. For me, Lip Sync was definitely a highlight. It's about the woman who is living with cystic fibrosis and she actually performs in it, but there are two actresses and you don't know who has cystic fibrosis oh, and who amazing. is a performer. Mm. And it's just an incredible, beautiful, very touching, honest performance. It finished now, unfortunately, but if it's ever revived, I really <laughs> think everybody should see it. Amazing, nice, and that's lip sync. Yes, nice. There's actually another group of um, young women at our venue called Eleventh Hour, and they're putting on a show called More Myself Than I Am, which is um, about the Bronte sisters, and I'm really excited to see that. Oh, that's exciting! Mm. Yeah. Ah, shout outs to all these power <laughs> groups. Well, thank you so much all for joining me today on this blustery. Thank you for having what, us. Are we yeah, thank you. Tuesday. I have no idea what day it is. It's the I fringe. Know. I know. It's the fringe. We have beers at 1am, 11am, 4am. But thank you so much for joining me. And uh, just one more note. Stay nasty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs>